You're listening to Jesus Walks on Wall Street, where real people working in the finance industry talk about life, work, and faith, with your host, Pastor Nathan Hart. On this episode of Jesus Walks on Wall Street, we continue our conversation with Chip Scourron, former hedge fund manager who was convicted of insider trading and serving four years in prison as a result. On this episode, we will hear stories from Chip about life behind bars and all that he learned there, what he experienced there, and how his faith in God grew. Tell me what community looked like behind the walls of prison. Well, it's um, it's a community uh, that looks a lot like what the community of faith is described as in, in the book of Acts, where everyone has according to their needs, where people love and support one another, um, where people are aware on a, a literally a minute-to-minute basis, aware of what you're going through and, and, and how they can be there in joy and in, and in sorrow. And um, I have, uh, I've not ever experienced anything like that before. We had a community that grew up around a friendship that, that the Lord gave to me, um, and, and that friendship was with a man named Biggs Burke, who I had no idea mm-hmm. you know, who he was. I didn't have uh, a particular desire to, to meet him or anyone, but we had been praying. When I say we, my brother's out here on the outside, and I had been praying that the Lord would give me a friend. Hmm. And was Biggs a Christian when you met him in, in prison? No, he yeah. was not. And, uh, and it was not my intention to make anyone a Christian. Mm. Um, but he received the gospel, uh, the good news about what Jesus had done in my life and what he was willing to do in anyone's life. What was his career before coming in? Well, Biggs had been a very successful uh, entrepreneur. And, um, you know, he created... Uh, Rockefeller Records with mm-hmm. a couple of guys, you know, Jay-Z and Damon mm-hmm. Dash. And, and he did, you know, he did amazing things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and had come from incredibly challenging circumstances. Yeah. And yet we had shared experiences that, um, that really brought us together, specifically the deaths of our mother and, and places that we had enjoyed traveling to and, and, and places that we like to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, it opened the door for that conversation. Mm-hmm. So the Lord did something amazing for me in him mm. and a community of faith grew up around that. Mm. And, uh, that community became a place of, of unbelievable transformation. Men were drawn to it. Were you guys we, studying the Bible together? When you say community, were you just hanging out? What, what was happening? Well, the community of faith inside certainly had Bible studies. We had Bible studies four nights a week, mm. and uh, we were, I was, I was the, sadly, I was the leader of the praise and worship team, so, you know, we had, you know, uh, we had practice on Tuesday and Thursday, and then some weeks on Saturday too, and then we had Sunday, we had service, and, and so we were doing all the things. Mm-hmm. But this community, in this community, what we did what largely was we, um, we, we read the Bible and we applied it to our lives, hmm. and we did what it said. Hmm. We took God at his word. Wow. And uh, we would, you know, the Bible said, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he would send workers. And we did that, and, and people came. And the Bible said that we should eagerly 
uh, desire the greater gifts of the Spirit. So we prayed and we asked for the greater gifts, and the gifts started showing up in our community. <laughs> and before long, that community spontaneously decided to have uh, a gathering, a, a service to say goodbye to one of its members. Mm-hmm. And a revival broke out. And um, so, so God did some, some amazing things, just beca- not because we were seeking amazing things, but that we were just loving and enjoying mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and being, you know, that process of, of loving and enjoying one another ga- gave each of us an identity. It helped us uh, come to a place where we could confess our troubles and our sins, and, yeah. and we could pray for one another honestly. And... And receive not from each other, but from God. Hmm. And it was it was just an awesome time. And, and then coming out of prison, I you know, I missed it. On that note, let me read a paragraph to you. This is a, an article in Vanity Fair. This thing was pretty. This thing blew up publicly. This was really a famous article about you. <laughs> and I just want to read this to you because it 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 um, speaks to what you're talking about. It says this: as Chip's relationships with the other inmates deepened. He became ashamed of his pride in his education and his wealth, which had insulated him in a cocoon of superiority. Then it goes on to say, the people in prison were not who he had expected them to be. And prison, he now believed, was not where the vast majority of them belonged. Increasingly, he felt they were his brothers. Chris has a way with words. <laughs> Those are not my words. <laughs> I'm not that well, you good. Just, you, just, you just actually illustrated these things so beautifully by describing this Christian community where the Holy Spirit is there. You guys are diving into the Word and authentic with one another. I mean, who would have thought? It, it makes sense hearing you say it, right? Because prison is a place where all of the trappings of life are stripped away. So it, logically, I can totally see how this would become this wonderful, authentic community, especially if it's centered on Christ. But it's not something I would ever wish on anybody, yet the way you're describing it, I almost think, I do want this for people. I don't want anyone to go to jail, but I want this community you're describing. Yes, you do. And, and we can have it out here. Mm. We don't have to have it. Yeah only in prison. Yeah. You know, a man who has come into my life is being sentenced today. Mm. And um, on the one hand, he's been surrounded by people who have uh, cautioned him and counseled him about the fact that it's a, you know, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be, but you got to kind of watch yourself and right. giving them, giving him very common sense Types of adv- uh, type of advice, and uh, he has a lot of those people in his life. But we've only been talking for a couple weeks, and my sense is that he keeps calling me back because he's hearing something di- different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I am praying and I am very expectant about what he is going to encounter there. Mm-hmm. Because I know, and God has shared this with me, that he is going to have a wonderful experience, and he's going to see something there that that unless you go. Yeah. You don't see it out here. Hmm. It's very precious and very rare. So I, I, I want to pull a thread on that for a minute, because what you just said now almost contradicts what you said a moment ago. What you just said right now is unless you go in there, you can't taste it you know, out here. But a minute ago, you said we can have it out here outside the walls of prison. We can have this kind of authentic community. 
I'm reminded of how in the scriptures, you know, it says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Can you just talk to me about, I guess I, I, I want to speak on behalf of anybody listening to this who heart, whose heart longs for authentic community and brotherhood and fellowship and connection. Yet I, I wonder if they're wondering, is it really possible amidst the mansions and the wealth and the country clubs? Is it, Chip? Yes, it tell, is. Tell me how. My home, my home, you know, approached 13,000 square feet. It was not open to the poor and the homeless. I was not welcoming and sharing the blessings that God had given to me with those who were less fortunate. And I didn't have a heart for them. But I can tell you that the men and the women who have been going with me into Bridgeport Correctional Center, Mm -hmm. I have seen... God minister to them in such a way that their hearts are being changed. And when they come back to this community, they are sowing seeds of what God is doing in their lives in this community. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I believe that this community is going to be changed Mm -hmm. into that kind of a community. Mm -hmm. I desperately want it. I don't want to have to go back in prison, although I do three times a week. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to have to go there Mm -hmm. to find that kind of a place where I can be real and honest and not, feel inclined or compelled to put on an act. Yeah. Amen. And let's talk a little bit more about healing because earlier when you were describing your materially wealthy life, but you were actually measuring the poverty and the imprisonment. When I think of somebody who's poor and imprisoned, I think of somebody who's wounded, um, you know, just by being bruised by this world. So, we now can look at our community here in all of the luxurious trappings and we can wonder what are the wounds under there? What are the imprisonments yes. of the soul and of the heart? And what are the poverties of spirit? And, and how can we speak healing? How can we bring healing? Maybe there's somebody listening right now who has all the trappings of wealth but is saying, I'm empty inside or I'm hurting inside or something happened in childhood or last year or whatever. Talk to me about healing and how it can set people free. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I can't set anyone free, <laughs> but mm. I can tell you that when Jesus did encounter the rich young ruler, yeah. you know, one of the things that I've been drawn to in that scripture recently is the fact that, you know, the scripture records that Jesus looked at him and loved him mm-hmm. and said, there's one thing you lack. He was interested in his poverty. And yeah. because that's exactly where the gospel will take hold. Yeah. And in this case, what that poverty, what, what, how Jesus spoken to that poverty was, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and there's the gospel for him, mm-hmm. for him. And without that kind of supernatural discernment, without the Holy Spirit revealing to us the poverty in people's lives, we can't love them the way Jesus would. So we, as, as the, the community of faith, who, who have the Holy Spirit living in us, we have to rely on that. And we have to learn how it is to listen to the Holy Spirit and to learn to hear God's voice and to speak into people's poverty mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. And we will, see the, we will see every community transformed if mm-hmm. we can do that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. I feel like that one line in Jesus' interaction with the rich young ruler is probably the most overlooked when he says one thing you lack. You can draw a straight line between that line 
And that opening statement he made in Luke 4 where he said, I'm good news to the poor. We look at this guy who's got wealth, you know, and but Jesus said one thing you lack. I'm here for your poverty. And it all breaks open from there. The next line, which you just also cited, is when he says, go sell everything you have and then come follow me. Chip, are you suggesting that that's a universal application? Anybody who has material wealth, what do you think? Yeah, you, you, I mean, our, especially in this town, it seems like we have to institutionalize everything. There isn't a formula. Yeah. There's just a person, mm-hmm. and, and his name is Jesus. And his relationship with each one of us is very personal and intimate because he cares for us that much. Mm-hmm. And so every single person has, you know, has their own story that, that the Lord will speak into. And no, yeah. that's, that's not a universal mm-hmm. path to, to salvation. It's not. But we certainly have to release the things that we're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Or the things, like you said earlier, the things that I might be seeking my identity in or my satisfaction in, if those are the material things, I'm never going to find my satisfaction in those things. Or closer to home, maybe it's your children. Maybe it's my wife. Maybe it's my home. Maybe it's my job, right? These are all things that the world would say, oh, it's good for you to hold on to that. But that's not what Jesus said. Hmm. Mother, father, more than me, you can't follow me. Yeah. I'm guessing that people might be listening to this and they might be wondering, might be curious. Okay, so we heard the whole story of the worldly success, then we heard the story of prison and all the things that God showed you there and has has given you through that. What's your journey now? Are you rebuilding your material wealth? Are you, I'm just one, I'm guessing there's a curiosity about that in the listeners. My, I have no intention to rebuild material wealth. Tell me why. Um, well, number one, I, I don't, that's not, it's not interesting to me. (laughs) It's just not what I wake up thinking about. Um, There are a lot of people around me who would very much like me to focus, Mm -hmm. and people I care about, by the way, who would like me to focus very heavily on rebuilding wealth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do participate in those activities. And and so I have, you know, I just, on the way in here, I was having a conversation about, you know, um, a particular business deal that, you know, is, uh, is, has a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. But, it doesn't interest me. My heart is not there. My heart is yesterday um, with the men who I was sitting with, sharing life with, and who are incarcerated, and a man today who is going to be sentenced, and on Monday, a man is going to cop out to 10 years, and he is trusting the Lord that despite whatever the judge says, there's going to be mercy. And I'm trusting him too for that. Yeah. So, um, you know, if the, if the Lord chooses to, to, uh, to bless me with riches, so be it. It's not necessary. You know what I'm reminded of? Jesus' words, seek first the kingdom Amen. and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. That's exactly what you just displayed. When I asked you, are you working on rebuilding your wealth? You said, I'll tell you where my heart really is. And you described the kingdom. Right. And you're going to trust that God's going to provide for your every need. Yeah. You know, that's not, it's, it's easier said than done. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I will find myself for days getting task oriented. Sure. And, and I recently have been, you know, my, my family and I just moved and 
I have utterly run my wife over in this process. And it has been devastating. You mean to her. in the process of the house move? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I put my head down and, you know, I'm going to get it done. And, um, and I am, you know, I'm really sorry that I've done that. You know, this, this journey is one where it's easy to hear, you know, the story of how God's grace, you know, makes everything better. And he does, but it's not like there's not trouble. There's a lot of trouble. And a lot of that trouble is self-imposed, Nathan, because I am still a mess, right? I mean, I still struggle every day. Yeah. You know, every day I have to wake up and what does seek first the kingdom look like today? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's often going to be setting aside something that I very much feel like I need to do. Yeah, clearing it out of the way, which requires a lot of effort often, doesn't it? Trust. Yeah. You know, I, I can't. I can't tell you how, how many times I've had to learn that, you know, this idea that faith um, just is, is a way of being without it having real practical implications. Mm-hmm. Faith is a decision mm. to trust God mm, and not something that I yeah. can see and do. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that's a, yeah. it's quite simply, uh, if there's not some degree of concern or consternation, or a pause, there probably isn't faith required. Mm-hmm. And the, you said making that decision to trust. That's not something you do once, right? I mean, that's, I was going to say it's something you do daily, but it's really something we do hourly. Yeah. Every hour we're faced with, okay, am I going to trust myself and my own abilities here, or am I going to trust my Creator yeah. and Savior? I want to start wrapping up, but I want to ask you, is there anything God's putting on your heart right now that you just want to share that we haven't talked about? No, but I, I think that it's, um, it's important for our community, our community of faith to have appropriate expectations. Right. And, um, you know, how, how can, how can people who don't know and haven't enjoyed the love of God expect anything? How can we expect anything different from them? other than fear and urgency and desperation and loneliness. Uh, it has to, everything about this desire that God has for our community has to start with us and us having, we have to have a heart for those who don't yet know him and who don't even recognize their own poverty. And it is very hard to love people who don't see and don't know their own poverty. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I really have been, um, feeling led to pray and to consider the poverty and the wounds of those people around me who don't look like they have anything. Yeah. Uh, they, they lack a thing and, and doesn't, yeah. and don't look like they have ever suffered a wound yeah. in their lives. Yeah. And, um, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Would you be willing by way of closing to say a prayer for those people right now? Yeah. Well, Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for Nathan and the heart that he has for this community and your church in particular, Lord. I thank you for his leadership. I thank you for the heart that you've given to him. And Father, I thank you for this community of faith that you are shepherding and growing and nurturing 
in Greenwich and in this county, in this state, in this whole region, Lord, how you are calling men and women into a deeper and more intimate relationship with you. Lord, help us to see how reliant we are on you. Amen. Give us hearts for those who you have a heart for so that people will know that we are yours by the love, Lord, by the love that we have. And the only way that we can have that love for one another is to first be loved by you. So love us, Lord, in profound and intimate ways. Speak into the dark corners of our lives. Give us hearts of flesh so that we might go and love this community and love them into realness Mm -hmm. so that they might be free, so that we all might be free by virtue of the fact of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Chip. Really appreciate it. God God bless you, Nathan. You've been listening to Jesus Walks on Wall Street with your host, Pastor Nathan Hart. 